We met on the gram, became instant BFFs, and we're two girls here to empower women to be self-reliant. Hey, I'm Amy, founder of Alexa Athletica. And I'm Emily, the creator of Stami Tactical. And we are Not, Not Your, Your Average, Average Gun, Gun Girls. Girls. We're calling on our friends, industry insiders, and speaking to people about major moments in their lives. We talk guns, personal safety, share lifestyle tips, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your vav because you, you can, can sit with, with us. Travis Gun Girls, we are here in studio and we have our in-studio guests and we love being able to have these guests in studio. It's awesome. It is so awesome. And today's guest, you guys, it's I fire. Am, She's it's fire. It is like, and we, we don't have all day to sit with her, which I would love because I feel like <laughs> I could sit and talk to you all day long. But our guest today is Miss Tracy Walder and we are so excited to have you here. Um, Thank you for joining us in our, to our, our show. humble studio right now. <laughs> <It's> fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm really excited to be here. Well, of course. We're very excited to have you here. And um, before we get started, you have the most incredible <laughs> bio and have done so many things. I literally think you have like the dream life career path. <laughs> yeah. And especially for so many women that are in our audience, would you give us a brief bio um, and just tell us who Tracy Walder is? Sure. Um, I'm Tracy Walder. I worked at the CIA on the operations side, so recruiting assets, uh, before, during, and after September 11th. I worked in the counterterrorism center, um, primarily focused on like weapons of mass destruction. So poisons, toxins, terrorists don't really do nukes. So that wasn't really my area of expertise. Poison. <laughs> and um, my target was a guy named Zarqawi who ended up um, kind of founding ISIS actually later, later on after I left, um, just to, I guess, orient your, your audience. And I served multiple tours um, when I was at the agency just because of the, the time. Um, that we were there um, and got to be sort of the tip of the spear and uh, in a lot of programs and, um, you know, served in war zones, Afghanistan, Middle East, Africa, Europe. Um, and then after that, as one typically does, I became a special agent at the FBI. Um, <laughs> Natural career, <laughs> career shift there, right? And, you know, I left the CIA not because I was leaving anything bad. I love it. I'm still really good friends with my colleagues there. I just didn't want to be overseas anymore. I was really tired and a little bit burned out. And so I thought, oh, I can work counterterrorism, but do that stateside. So I went through Quantico and, and did all of that and then um, was sent to the LA field office and then a smaller office out of there called the Santa Ana Resident Agency. And I did not work terrorism there. I worked um, gangs, uh, mostly gangs that were divided upon like ethnic like line. So a lot of Mexican mafia or Asian gangs, those, those kinds of things. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, I did Chinese counterintelligence as wow. well when I was there. And then I left that and became a teacher because that just makes sense. <laughs> that is quite the shift. That is quite the shift. And that's, that's what you're doing right now, right? Yes. And I guess to caveat, I went to college to be a high school history teacher. That was my goal in life. <laughs> Wow. That's amazing. So how I have so many questions. I, I don't so know where to start. Questions too. I, I know. And not only that, but you are a mother, mm -hmm. you are an author mm -hmm. and incredible book, um, the unexpected spy. And of course we want to talk about that book, but you have, you just got finished doing an incredible press tour on yes. that book and people can go back and Google Tracy. You can hear so much, um, in depth, 
conversations on that book, but there's so many things that we want to focus of on. Course. <laughs> but I just want to really quickly touch on the title of the book and then the um, title of our show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like what is so great about that, and I'm sure you guys, as you, especially if you are, you know, watching on YouTube, you see Tracy and you see us and you're like, well, these are just your normal girls. What, what are they doing? Tracy, you would not expect that she would have the career path or the background that she does. And that's what I love about our show. And I think one of the things that we continue to communicate with our audience is that, you know, not your average gun girl, the unexpected spy. It's we're you we're your everyday women totally out there agree. like living our lives. So it's just one of those things that I think it's just, I don't know, it just makes it more special. Because mm-hmm. it's like you know that there are other people out there mm-hmm. that are like us and that, you know, we can connect with. So do you get I, know, that I love that little connection. Do you get that from, um, cause, cause you're teaching how, what grade are you teaching? Right so now? I teach high school and college. Ooh. So do you ever get these girls that are around that age? They're, they're trying to find their purpose in life and they, have you had any instances where they come yeah. up to and they're like, you know, I just sort of like, I don't feel like I have to look a certain way or be a certain way to do what you did. Like, how how have you inspired them? Yeah, I think it's not me that's inspired them, strangely, as much as sometimes I really dislike it. Pop culture has actually worked in our favor for that because, uh, like, growing up, a lot of people ask me, did you always want to work at the CIA? Well, like, why would I? I'm I'm 43, and so I grew up with, like, Beverly Hills 90210, like the (laughs) old version. (laughs) Yeah, and so we didn't have – uh, criminal mind, homeland, right? Like all of the, none of that exists. I don't even think there was a new James Bond. It was like Sean Connery, which he was old, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, to me at the time, why would that be something I saw myself doing? So those girls, for the most part, completely think that this is normal. And it's the the group that I have to almost, I guess, sometimes engage sometimes. And I, I guess what we call performative masculinity, you know, um, is with, folks my age or older, right, who are like, this is not what pop culture taught me growing up. So interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, okay. So, so take us to that moment. You're in college. You're in a sorority. Yes. How do, how do you go from being the leader in your sorority to having a career in the CIA? <laughs> so for me, um, I grew up um, so I'm, I'm not super religious, but I'm, I'm Jewish and I grew up going to temple with metal detectors, police officers, those kinds of things. And I think I just knew that was different. I knew my, like my friends who went to church didn't necessarily okay. have that. So this is what the seventies, eighties. And so I knew there were like problems. Right. And I think when you're eight, <laughs> you're just like, wow. you don't really understand, but you knew that it was different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I always knew that there were issues in Israel or issues in the Middle East. And I always wanted to figure out what there, what that was, but it was never around. I grew up with terrorism being like Oklahoma city, Ruby Ridge. Yeah. That is what I grew up as my definition of terrorism like Mm -hmm. al-qaeda wasn't even around until 89 and they really weren't even doing attacks until 92 ish Mm -hmm. um you know kenya tanzania and so i didn't understand really what terrorism was but i did in 1997 and that was like my pivotal moment and that was when osama bin laden gave his really first and only interview to the to the west and it was in that interview he declared war on Americans and declared war on Jews. And I was like, that was 97? 97. 
I wasn't paying attention uh, yeah, to anything. I, was, I would like, never have known that. High was, school chemistry or whatever I was, or junior high. So you know, I wasn't, yeah. I, like, I wasn't this, like, thinker. I mean, full disclosure, I was working out in my sorority house gym, thoroughly annoyed that I had to have the news <laughs> on, on the gym, because my sorority sister was a broadcast journalism major and was watching the news to get she was watching it i think to mimic and learn and whatever sure. about that was what she was doing i had to share the tv with her mm-hmm. so i just remember being annoyed more yeah. than anything else it was a complete fluke i didn't like seek that out but that fluke i guess is kind of what changed a lot of stuff real and what year was that in college that was 97 that was that year that i watched that so, oh for me that would have been my sophomore year okay so had my you sophomore year. how how did you hear about the CIA? Where? <laughs> yeah, that, like I'm curious. I how, like, <laughs> okay, so you see this interview. Do you so, call up the CIA? No. And, and that, that was the problem is that, and I guess, you know, for, for listeners and viewers, I always have to like orient people, right, to the time. We were living in a time where like ter- international terrorism wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't a thing. It just, now you can major in it in college, right? You can take as many classes as you want. You know exactly what jobs you can pursue, right, in doing those things. I didn't know any of that. And CIA at the time, I knew it did international stuff, Mm -hmm. but really their focus, and they told me this when I gave them my resume, was Latin America. There were a lot of revolutions going on at that time, particularly in like Central America and Russia. I was not, that wasn't my area of focus. And so I was trying to figure out as much as I could about this terrorism thing. So I started adding like Middle Eastern history classes to my major and anything I could. There were no international terrorism classes. I know that sounds strange, but they're just weren't. And so I saw the CIA at a a career fair. It's normal. They do recruit on college (laughs) campuses. And I saw that they were looking for liberal arts majors. Um, I asked the, the recruiter if they did terrorism. And he said, it's just a small group because again this is pre 911 right oh, yeah and um i said whatever here's my resume and i i just kind of continued on my way i have to imagine too going up to a recruiter at that time asking about terrorism they have to also be just kind of like interesting this um, this young woman here at this college is asking about something very specific to want to come work work for work for us and like learn about. That's a great. I never thought about it that way. That maybe I was on their radio. <laughs> <laughs> they're back there After doing quick background like, check wait, on you. Like, wait a minute. This, this, this girl is asking something very specific. Maybe she's on to something. We need oh to my look gosh, into that, it. I didn't even think about that. That maybe they hired me because they wanted to <laughs> keep control of me. I don't know. So so what was the moment that you? Entered in, Was that after 9-11 that you actually entered into the CIA? No. So I okay. was sitting in the counterterrorism center on September 11th. Wow. Um, How long had you been a part of the CIA at that point? Uh, a year and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and what were you doing? <laughs> counterterrorism. I was, my job was to get as much information as possible on terrorist training camps in Afghanistan. So that was my job. So is it safe to say you were a spy? Yes. I guess so. Well, I think people obviously, I mean, when you say Hollywood has done a really good job of getting people interested in this, I mean, obviously we are all thinking, is this Mission Impossible? You know, is this, what was the movie with Jennifer Lawrence? Is it Red Red Sparrow? Yeah, Red Red Sparrow. Sparrow. You know, like. I would say the most similar movie to what I did would definitely be Zero Dark Thirty. That would be a a more similar, like what Jessica Chastain's character was. Because you see her at headquarters sometimes, but you see her overseas sometimes. So I think, in my opinion, of all the kind of 
crazy movies that are out. <laughs> that would be the one that is. Well, I think it's easy too, especially like in the gun industry. And then just people see movies, they see what's on television yes. and they just immediately assume that, oh, that's exactly what it's like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. <laughs> How much of your time and tra- I am so interested in your okay. training and the time that it took you to get, I mean, cause how long is that training before you so, become like official CIA? So that was the issue is CIA works different than FBI. FBI, you go straight into Quantico, right? You're, you get a report date with the FBI and that is your first day at Quantico. You spend 17 weeks and then you graduate done out in the field. CIA is different. You actually have to go to headquarters first oh. and you await your date for training. <laughs> well, training's about five-ish months and September 11th happened. Like in the course wow. of all of that. And they're like, we can't have you gone for five months. Like we, right. you were one of the OGs who was here before. Like mm-hmm. you can't. So what they did is our training kind of was different in that we would go and take like a three week module of our training and then come back and then get sent overseas and then come back and then go and take a three. Now that changed obviously yeah. once they got everything under control, but they just couldn't have us all gone. How much right. of it is weapons training how much of it is situational awareness training so i would say it's almost all situational awareness really? I, i'd say like 85 percent because we're not law enforcement officers so we can't carry in this in, in this unless we want to private sure carry. interesting so wow mm-hmm. i guess i never really FBI thought about that yeah different so because we're not law enforcement officers the only reason you would have more weapons training on top of just basic stuff that was given to you is if you're being deployed out into a war zone, which mm. I got that, but it's not the focus necessarily because mm-hmm. even if you're a spy, your job is to gather intelligence. That's right. not through violet meat. You can't, you know Well, what? sure, but what happens when you show up and the other person is armed or so they're armed what they, So yeah, and so that's why you would get the basic like gun training. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you're going overseas to a war zone or something like that, they'll mm-hmm. give you more specialized training. How mm-hmm. much did you actually think about your personal safety <laughs> and situational awareness just in your own everyday life um, prior to joining the CIA? Because I, I'm trying to think back, where did you go to college? <laughs> USC. Oh, so they probably, you probably weren't carrying a gun prior no. to this anyways. <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember exactly when the concealed carry laws really kicked in anyway. So Later. Like, what, but on college campuses, I remember thinking about my personal safety mm-hmm. and I didn't carry anything. I just took no. self-defense courses mm-hmm. at that point. So I'm was that college on your radar? the most is like mace the most yeah so but maybe not in california i don't even know no i did mm-hmm. so um i think for me i grew up i'm a like descended of lots of military veterans so you know i knew about weapons and those kinds of things but i really grew up yeah, I grew up in what is, it's actually called the safest big city in the United States. It won that award for like 20 plus years. So it was never, and that's a bad thing, right? You know, to not be aware of those right. things. I started becoming more aware because even though USC is not in the best area, the school is heavily patrolled and you feel extremely safe. It's almost overkill probably, you know, and which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I started, um, I did an internship in Washington, D.C., one of my years at USC. Hey. Hey, D.C. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I loved it. But I think it was the first time that I was, USC is only an hour away from where I grew up, right? So it wasn't unfamiliar yeah. to me. DC was like super unfamiliar to me. And I think I had a little freak out moment, I guess. And so um, our neighbor that lived behind us, um, 
he gave me a whole class on how to use mace and a baton and all of that. That's amazing. Sent me off to DC with that. And so I've carried mace ever since then. And did that scare you a little bit though? I feel like knowing that you're about to uproot your life and then you've got a neighbor telling you, let me teach you how to use mace. You know what scared me more? I felt empowered, weirdly. That's amazing. Having the mace made me feel empowered. I don't know that my mom (laughs) felt that way necessarily, Um, but I felt really empowered by it, to be totally honest with you. It felt like a little security blanket. Yeah. How... Now, I mean, obviously you're trained in these things. Um, do do you have a license? Well, we're constitutional carry now mm-hmm. in Texas. Um, but personally now, mm-hmm. do you keep self-defense tools with yeah. you? So I carry mace. It's my purse. Right uh-huh. <laughs> I carry that all the time. I have to be careful um, because my daughter is six and a half and my mace is pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do you have the it's bling? The, the yeah, bling? I, I love it. I love it because it's a gel too, uh-huh. and it's I just like that better. Yeah, but she thinks it's cute, and pretty, which is I understand all of that. So sure. I have to be careful and like keep it away. But sure. but I always carry it. Um, even you know on college campuses, I am I do have a firearm. I now I do. I didn't um last year, but I do now, and I don't carry it with me a lot because I'm a teacher and I'm on campuses that don't sure. allow it, yeah. and so then that becomes a problem right mm-hmm. and yeah. so it almost I don't want to say it's inconvenient but it becomes this like mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm going into my daughter's school I, I can't have it right it's, it's, I, it's a planning thought process exactly of your day living that lifestyle exactly what you're gonna and do, then it's like you're gonna do it. oh shoot I didn't bring the key to lock it up in my car I don't want to just like leave a gun that seems very unsafe to yeah. me <laughs> like and so it's you're right it's like this whole level of planning when you've got the kid and a job in it, like, oh yeah, it becomes frustrating. So I'll be honest, most of the time it just sits in a safe, which mm-hmm. is not good. But because of my job, I don't know what else yeah. to do. Right? Did those? I'm interested when it comes to your daughter because um, <laughs> I have two under two. Well, one is two now. Um, <laughs> but you know, when do you start having these conversations? Yeah with them mm-hmm. about their safety. I mean, there's so many things we have to obviously think of now about protecting our children and teaching them and empowering them to think about their safety. Mm-hmm. Have you had those conversations mm-hmm. with her? What do you say to her? I absolutely have. I know some people may disagree with that. No, I don't. Um, I want to know what you say. <laughs> Can you record um, those conversations you know, for funny, me? I just did a news hit for a news station on, um, well, un- unfortunately, her remains have been found on the Naomi Arion case out of um, Nevada. And one of the things um, it seemed like, and this isn't, I'm not blaming her, like it's horrific what happened to her, but, you know, she got into her car at 530 in the morning and didn't lock her doors and did it right. Like all of these simple things. I don't know that that could have mitigated what happened to her, but it's those things that why not start giving, even if you're maybe not comfortable talking to them about guns, maybe that's just not something you can, can do right now. Just little things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I, I talk about that, but I, I do talk about guns with my my daughter and the way I talk to her about it is not you know with this Rambo that that that's not the conversation I have with her she's six and a half yeah but she's also really smart Mm -hmm. and she sees things Mm -hmm. and she hears things and I don't want her to be completely naive about Mm -hmm. it Um, we talk about safety we talk about being a responsible person we talk to her about the fact that you know guns she understands that guns are used to kill people and Mm -hmm. I think she needs to know that yeah um, because she needs to know to take it seriously. Sure. Um, and so really that's what we talk about. And I think for her, she, she needs to understand that 
death is final, like all of those Mm -hmm. things that come into it too. So really she knows I carried a gun. She's seen the picture of me, um, carrying a gun. Um, I kind of talked to her about why I had a gun was to protect myself, um, and to protect other people around me and to make sure that we were safe and Mm -hmm. it's not a toy. Um, and that's really kind of where I've left it with Mm -hmm. her and that's okay. But, um, I, it gets me into a little trouble sometimes. I was going <laughs> to yeah. ask you, you know, knowing, <laughs> knowing what you do, or maybe some of your daughter's friends, parents don't, I don't know how not you're, you're everywhere. <laughs> you wrote a book. I mean, like people know like what you've done. Has it caused any backlash yes. at all? Unfortunately, and that it really was really upsetting to me because, you know, here's the thing. My daughter goes, and I will not say the name of the school, but she's at a public school. And so when you choose to send your child to a public school, you have to realize that they are going to be open to the gamut, right, of, right. of literally sure. everything. And that's okay. Like, that's the choice we made for her. And so, um, you know, she has told her classmates, yes, my mommy, you know, carried a gun when she was at the FBI and she carried a gun when she was at the CIA. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that per se. (laughs) Then on Veterans Day, um, I want to make it very clear that by law, I'm not considered a veteran. However, um, the school, which I really appreciated was like, you know, you have served overseas. We have no voices of females. Would you mind coming in and talking about, you know, your time in Afghanistan and then her, um, her grandpa's, uh, her grandpa served and both of her grandpa served in Vietnam and World War One and World War Two And I brought in their uniforms, right? And we had this like really yeah. beautiful conversation about veterans and women. And, um, they asked me to provide a picture because they made kind of a board of, of veterans. And so I provided the one of myself, um, with a gun in, in Afghanistan and, um, not thinking anything about that pictures all over. <laughs> like it's not, right. it's not a secret. Right. Um, and you know, lots of people sent pictures of dads or uncles, you know, the same thing, but in a full uniform. And there was a parent who complained that her daughter was now scared to come to school because she was scared of my daughter, um, and scared of, of me. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. And that was heartbreaking for me and I realized like I don't know that I can ever come back now and and talk like you've now just lost like a female voice in this all because of wow (laughs) like a backhanded compliment like hey we don't have any women represented we want you to be represented but then to turn around and be like oh sorry the way you are being represented is not good well the way you feel empowered is not how we want you to feel the school was was okay it was a parent that had called the mm. school to complain. And I guess for me as an educator, I feel like that complaint should have never made its way to me, mm-hmm. if that makes any yeah. sense. I yeah. think the school listens to that parent clearly and then just sort of hangs up the phone and carries on with their day. Right. What was upsetting to me is why did that make its way to me? You know, and if to say that your daughter is scared of my daughter or scared, you're then implying that maybe my daughter is bringing weapons to school. And then that has a whole... And when I explained that to the mm-hmm. school... They were like shocked. Wow, we didn't realize like the impact that that could have. And I think wow. it's just because people don't have these conversations. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is crazy though. So I mean, you you deal with it too. <laughs> we obviously deal with it on a regular basis as well. But I think it's just how far we still have to go yes. on educating people from 
from the safety and responsibility side of things when you are going to own mm -hmm. a firearm, um, I remember, so you and I met almost a couple of years yes. ago at, at this point, and you were telling me a great story, you know, that was right around the times, a lot of the riots, mm -hmm. um, in, in, well, the protests, some of them turned into riots, right. and there was a lot of people that were really scared in yep. the Dallas area. How many of your friends came up to you? You, you might have been the only woman they knew that owned a firearm, and then they said, I want to buy a gun. <laughs> what did you tell them af after they said that they wanted to buy a gun? Yeah, so, and it's funny because I would say the roles are reversed, right, in my household. <laughs> I love my husband dearly, but he knows nothing, right, about guns. One of our third, no, what, the first time I came out to meet his family in Arizona, we went to a shooting range and I just, like, he didn't even know what to do. With it. And that's okay. Like, you you do yeah, you. Sure. And so it's one where I am the one that people come to with questions. And yes, people wanted to purchase guns and, like, that's all fine and good, but I had to reel people in a little bit because, first of all, it's going to take you a second to purchase that gun and get there. I think there was a shortage at the time. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah I'm then. just trying to remember the time. Uh -huh. I think there was a shortage, so I didn't know you know, would you even be able to get one? Um, and I was like, well, okay, in the time being, we need to talk about just like basic personal safety skills. And they're like, so I should lock my fence door. And I'm like, yes, you should lock your fence door. Right. And so it's just things like that, that I'm like, I think that's great of you. If you want to purchase a gun, please purchase a gun. I can tell you what I have. I can tell you like all of those things, but we also need to like dial back to like the to, like, most basic ba personal that, that safety. That's what blows my mind. Like when I talk to yeah. people, like when we're having conversations about personal safety to people, like I knew people were like, I gotta lock my door. I'm like, what? why? I don't. I don't understand. Like that is the most, <laughs> the simplest thing you can do, and you choosing not to do that. Mm -hmm. It. I think that also goes back to like what you're saying about how you're educating your daughter, like locking. Like that's where it starts. Like how are it's, you not teaching? Because I think that? people think, and and like I said, I I I I own a gun now. I don't have any issues with them. But like we also have to remember that a gun is not a cure all. Right. Like it's not gonna. Right. It's not for every it's single like, situation. It's not going to stop everything. Yeah. And so I think we think that it is, right? And then we get lulled into, oh, I have a gun. I don't need to lock my door. I don't need to do, like. Oh, that's so good. That's so true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Like, it's, it well, was crazy. We always, we always talk about, like, guys, let's get to the point where, I mean, our firearm is our last right. resort. 100%. If there's a million ways to get out of this situation to where we don't ever have right. to use our gun Dear Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. I completely I'm going to look agree. for these things. I completely and so agree. maybe you just can stop it by locking your door. Right. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's that's kind of what I try to instill in my daughter, too, is that my gun is not my cure-all. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have to... It, it's just crazy to me that people forget it or like, I feel so unsafe when I go get gas. You know, oh my God, I, I, I'm not going to go get gas. Well, get in your car and lock the door while it's pumping. I don't, I don't understand. Why is this so... So, like, okay. I, I, <laughs> were these things that you... You're obviously a very practical thinker. It's just practical. <laughs> that probably helped you a lot in your CIA training. But do you feel like, you know, now when you go to the grocery store or you go and get gas... Yeah. What are some Always. practical things as... Yeah. I would just love to hear from your perspective. Like, what do you do... <laughs> when you go and get gas, if you have to get it yeah. late at night. So, I mean, I try not to, that is something I try not to do, but the reality is, is we just had very close to where I live, uh, broad daylight. We've had two incidences of carjackers. Um, you know, I think the very first thing you need to do, obviously you get out of the car. I lock my car door. I take my keys with me. Um, and my pepper spray is actually on my keys. And then I, 
you know, do my thing, put the the nozzle in the in the gas container, and then I get back in my car and I lock my door and I don't sit there on my phone. Right. I look around and then I just sort of wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think, and I also think one of the things I try to do is is look for a gas station that has other cars there and people there. Because I know a lot of times we get into the mindset, oh, we should go to the one that doesn't have anyone. Well, if they're customers, it actually is probably a better idea to go to one where they're people and that the store is open. Mm -hmm. And that's always a good thing too. I think too about, you know, how far I am away when I open up my door, you know, sometimes you park too close and you can't can't really get that door all the way open. There's those little columns right there. And I'm, I always make sure that I don't get boxed in somehow with my door. What I really need to do is I think part of my problem, what you said before is I just do my thing, right? Like throughout the course of the day. And I'm not thinking about it. But another thing I always do is I always try to park on the one that's the closest to that outside Mm -hmm. egress route. So I don't have any issues there and I can just gun it out. But I never think about the fact that that was... How, because you've been living this lifestyle of, you know, working overseas, being being a spy, I want to say like, I feel like for normal people who have not like had years of, of this like ingrained training, we, like, I know when I first started out thinking about my personal safety, it was, it was really a conscious effort to like, think Mm -hmm. about these things. Like, where's the exit? Where's this? What would you say? Like, how long did it take? Like for you? Cause obviously now you're saying that you just don't even think about it. Cause like, you know, like when do you, was there a point where you realized like, as you were going through all this training that all of a sudden, like your situational awareness, your thought process for making these types of personal safety decisions and the actions that you were doing every day just kind of started working on its own? That's such a good question. I I think the short answer is I don't know that there was a time because a lot of times people ask me to reflect on why I got the job at the CIA. You know, what got me the job? And when I really sit down and think about it, it wasn't great. I mean, I didn't have bad grades or anything. It wasn't a box, right, to mm-hmm. check to get the job. I remember having to take so many logic tests, so many reasoning tests, so many statistics tests. That's what they were measuring. Interesting. Wow. And so I think, to be perfectly honest with you, it's just how my brain worked. So if y'all are all taking those same tests... <laughs> Did you ever find situations (laughs) during training that you approached a situation much more logically than your than your colleagues? An understatement. I and I do outline share my story. Yeah, certain things are obviously still classified, but I do remember one that I I share in my book, which is when I was at the farm, um, and it's a really it was my favorite class that we took there called Crash and Bang, which is how (laughs) you learn how to drive, you know, defensively, like crashing cars into walls, the pit maneuver. All I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. But they do a lot of situational awareness stuff. So I can't say where the farm is, but. Everyone can Google, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. um, it's a massive, massive place. And you have to actually drive to get from like a dormitory to the cafeteria to, it's it's massive. Wow. And so they give you cars and you don't realize it, but they are, they set up ambushes for you, like on your way back to your dorm. Like, oh, so wow. they want, they're trying to get you when you that don't That is like real it. scenario yeah. yeah, of course. And um, <laughs> there was one, but this one was a very planned out one. Like this one was very clear because it was like a random um, road. Uh, like a you know a guard shack yeah. yeah yeah with you know one of the arms that comes down it was literally planted there in the middle of I mean yeah. clearly this is a thought of and it was they dragged us out at like 2 a.m so you know they're gonna do something sure we're doing something and your instructor is in your car with you so you're like okay yeah we're clearly doing right. something now and so you go to the 
guard you. And they're like, okay, I need you to stop. Like they tell you what to do. So it's very obvious something's going to happen. And someone comes up to the car with obviously a SIM gun. We're not using real guns here. And, you know, tells you to like get out of the car. Well, I just gunned it, right? Like just went right through the guard thing. Just got, I mean, that was what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, there were people in my class who rolled down the window and I tried to have conversations with them. <laughs> like talk to get them, them, talk them down. To like, and it was things like that where I was, cause you get to sort of watch each other too. And that's, you don't always, but in that right. situation yeah. we did. And I was like, what in the world are you doing? Like, well, <laughs> you're probably so ingrained thinking, okay, do I have to follow instructions? You know, I mean- I, I feel like there's a lot I, you're processing. You've got your instructor. It's, it's right. fake. It's real. Right. It's, it's like, fake. It's, it's real. hard. Like, yeah. it's very hard. I feel like in a real life scenario, I'd be like, forget that. And I would go. But I wouldn't know. Am I supposed to follow instructions from my instructor right now? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? I'm sure that would be very difficult. But how? Okay, you're obviously on high alert all the time while you're in training. Does that level of being that high alert carry over with you when you go overseas? Yes. And then does it come back? For sure. And I'm very open about this. That level of high alert for that period of time, long of a period of time, is like, it's not always healthy, right? And so, you know, I do have PTSD for, you know, some of the things I, I do. I am sometimes overly anxious. I do, in certain situations, if there's too many people and I feel like too, I will become uncomfortable if it feels out of my control. I feel always like I'm very... Um, able to control my situation mm-hmm. sometimes when I feel like I can't. Yeah. That could be a problem. What are some things that you do, you know, if like take me into a movie theater, <laughs> a, a restaurant, what are some things that you do to feel in control yeah, of the so situation? If I'm in a restaurant and my friends will get annoyed with me because I'll ask him to switch seats or my husband kind of knows, like <laughs> I have to have my myself facing the door. I, I hate having my back to the door. I feel naked, mm-hmm. weirdly. I know that sounds like a strange analogy. Do you pick a certain table in If I can, yes. Which one um, do you pick? So typically I would like to actually be the closest one to the door because then I can get out. A lot of people think, oh, go to the back. Well, no, because I'm not familiar with what the kitchen looks like. I'm sure there is a door in the kitchen, you know, for deliveries and things like that. But I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it is. It could be downstairs. It could be upstairs. I know where this front door is, hmm. so I can get out that way. So that's something I, I think about. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's crazy. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I, no. Of course, yeah, well, we well, don't. My friends will be like, but I'm sitting here. And I'm like, but you need to move. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna need to move. <laughs> but I'm sitting here. It's a, if it's a you know a crowded restaurant, we have a reservation. I don't make a big deal, right? And I'll just sit where I'm supposed to. But in that case, I'll try to face the door if I can. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's something that like our audience, like we all relate to. I feel because like, that's kind of like yeah. where we are in this like mm-hmm. mindset. But yeah. like I can understand how your friends are just like what I, I don't know of course and that's okay and I still yeah. love them <laughs> and they're fine with it no one makes fun of me or yeah. you know gives me a hard time but well with- I think it just goes to show how many people don't think about this mm-hmm. this this that the way that you were thinking that is our lifestyle mm-hmm. that is our audience that's I mean so we take for granted I think remembering oh no that most people people don't think this way right and we want them to because and we talked about this in a few episodes ago is like our mission is to help women be proactive 100 percent, not reactive that's what i always say i say that about our foreign policy i say that about intelligence i say that about weapons like be 
proactive. Mm-hmm. Why are we always so reactive? Right. Because then you're already five At that point, it's behind too, the yeah, curve. It's, it's, mm-hmm. too, it's too late. And if we can get yeah. you into that mindset of start asking yourself those questions before, then you're going to be in a better off situation. Well, and I think it also, I guess to go back to our conversation about children, um, you know, my daughter's school, she's in first grade. They have lockdown drills. Fine. Um, and I said, you know, after this whole thing with the parent feeling uncomfortable, I said, well, what do you tell kids? Like, what do you have lockdown drills? And they're like, we just tell them it's a game. I was like, that's unacceptable. What? Like, you can't do that. <laughs> I do not think that's a good I, My daughter idea. knows full well what they're for, and I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to get out of that mentality, too, because in a strange way, if you hide it, mm-hmm. um, and this is how I always feel, if you hide it, you're creating that there's this, there's something inherently evil and wrong. And right. If I hide that guns exist, I hide that I have one, I hide that I used to carry one, I'm like demonizing it for her. And uh-huh. that's not a good thing. I look at it kind of like I've never told my kids that the medicine they take is candy. No, I've never because done that either. No, we've I'm like, oh, absolutely there. not. They know no. that is medicine. You do not touch it unless right. mommy is giving it. Because if I tell you it's candy <laughs> and they love the taste they of it, they love candy. They're going to want to try it. to get into it all 100%. of the time. Well, at you know? some point, they're going to get old enough where they're going to be living in reality where, oh, wait, that's not candy. This actually isn't a game. And Those are weapons, right? Yeah. It's like, why would you shelter them from that for, for so long? Like, get them exposed and get them ready and prepared for life. Do that's you have these the kind of practical issue. conversations with when you're teaching uh, your courses? And what uh, courses are you teaching right now? I'll be very honest it, that what happened in November um, with this whole it deeply upset me and like deeply affected me. I, I, and I, I think I'm now extremely insecure about what I talk, what I'm supposed to talk to my wow. child about. I, and that's not good. I used to feel really good, mm-hmm. right. About what I was doing. I don't, and now I'll be full disclosure. I feel very insecure about what I am and I'm not supposed wow. to talk to her about Yeah, because like, if, if one parent was upset, this, what are people thinking? What are we, right? And I started, and I am for the most part secure, but it really yeah. affected me um, big time. And so, you know, with my students, um, I don't, we, uh, so I teach terrorism um, and then I also teach uh, criminal justice. And we never usually get into, you know, discussions about guns and weapons themselves. It'll be more around like the legal definitions and things like that, because we have to. But um, I would say, in terms of personal safety with with my high school students, it's typically whenever we have a lockdown drill, that's when it will come up. Of, I'm glad I'm in your classroom. And I'm like, why? I don't, there's nothing magical I have that's gonna like, <laughs> I like, can't carry my gun anything. into the school. You know, it's not allowed. <laughs> yeah. And um, they're like, because you'll know what to do. And I'm like, that's good and bad, right? All at the same time that you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And so I think that's more where it will come up. What does empowerment mean to you? To me, I think knowledge is empowerment. Education is empowerment. Because when we know about these things, it becomes less scary and we make better decisions, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Do you feel like that's an opportunity to help teach them, look, it's not just me who needs to know what to (laughs) do here. You can. I am confident that you can learn what you need to do to get through this situation. Yeah. And I mean, I would just think that's such an, you have such an important role. It's but amazing you that you have the opportunity to, to teach you, them that. Sometimes you run into issues with, you know, why are you scaring them like that? Or other teachers don't like, and so it, 
it's hard mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> sometimes. Well, um, we, I mean, I, I shared, I think I've shared this. I know I've shared this story personally with you. I've gone and done personal safety oh, courses. Awesome. I've talked to sorority girls um, at that. some college. Oh, I, I did too <laughs> until I show up with my stun gun. It's a stun gun uh, phone case, right? You oh, know, cool. it makes like, cool. Yeah. We love yes. this stuff. I thought this was going to be awesome. I was just talking to my friends about <laughs> knives before I came here. So like, it's not weird to me. No, <laughs> right. So, so we're, again, this is like our world. So, you know, I show up with my, my, my stun gun and a, a pepper blaster mm-hmm. and I'm talking about simple things like situational awareness. Cause I, I, Walked up to the campus and I saw so many young women running with earbuds Mm -hmm, in their ears. They're looking at their phone Mm -hmm. while they're running, you know, so we started there. We obviously started there and then took it to the next level. There had just been a girl that was found in her car murdered by this campus. So I was like, hey, next level after being situationally aware is keeping a a legal self-defense tool on your body. Here are some options. And I thought it's going to be really fun to press the button and show them the, like the tase button. It didn't tase. It didn't shoot out, but it made them stun, right? Loud noise. I mean, loud noise. (laughs) I'm not going to tase anybody here. And the, I guess the door mom uh, came up to me after and was like, I'm going to need you to take all those tools back to the car because you really scared my girls and you have really terrified them. And, um, And I was like, hold on a second. You just got done telling them about the girls that have been raped and sexually assaulted on this campus. You're telling me that me giving them an option and a way to defend themselves is scarier than the action that could happen to them. Mm-hmm. That's why I think knowledge is power, right? right. Knowledge is empowerment. I mean, but, it's, but I think in those situations they get into the, well, because you're scaring people, they don't want, they, they want to be, you know, if you don't see it, it doesn't exist kind of thing. And it's like, no, 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 Until no, it happens no, no. to you. Right. Most of the people yeah. don't lock their fences. They think they live <laughs> right. in a safe area. <laughs> Until they're not safe anymore. It it doesn't make sense to me. And so I guess that's why I think it's perfectly appropriate for a six and a half year old to know that we have to lock our doors, Mm -hmm. that we have to, you know, I do not open my garage door until she's already in her car seat and we're all buckled up. And she knows that. Mm -hmm. And she knows there are people out there that can hurt us. And if those conversations, I'm just, I have to be very honest with you. I am now scared to have those conversations because of that. That That's unfortunate. Which is that is because your perspective, if I could just encourage you a little bit here, <laughs> yes. is very much needed. No. And <laughs> women are dying to hear this information. Mm-hmm. And they need to hear it. They do. They they need to hear it. And I would just love for you to continue <laughs> to speak right. it and to stand up to these people because we need it. We need more women that live this life. And and I know you do at the end of the day. Like we need more of us who believe this like wholeheartedly because we're doing it for the greater good mm-hmm. yes. and we want to see we never want to see anything bad happen no, to right. any woman ever. of course not. not that's why we're here i'm curious with all your overseas travels and your training what kind of safety tips can you offer our listeners for when they are traveling like because a lot of times if they are um especially traveling overseas mm-hmm. you can't there's a lot of um self-defense tools probably most of them that you can't bring Definitely. So I know this is going to sound very mundane, but it's something we forget to do. Give the entirety of your itinerary, flight, hotel, everything to someone in the States. Someone has to have it. And then have the name of that person programmed into your phone as a like who to call in case of help. Hmm. Just oh, in case. So that way someone knows your itinerary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we just forget that, right? Because yeah. we're like, oh, we're going overseas. And um, I think that's like thing number one. Um, I think, you know, thing number two is 
and I know this sounds strange, like Google the area that you're going to beforehand. So you know exactly where you're going. Has there been crime there? Has there been, um, I sometimes, and I might get some flack for this. I actually recommend that unless you're super familiar with the country and the language and all of that, don't take public transportation like subways. I think you're just asking for it in any situation if you're not comfortable with it and you don't speak the language and you don't, you it's, you know, it's not, I don't think your first time on a subway needs to be in a country where you've never spoken the language or you you've you have no idea how to enter and exit a subway. Like I, I just think that those That's practical, a great, great practical <laughs> point. Are, are just rule number one. I think in terms of things that you can carry, I have I, I don't know because I've never taken my stuff with me. And every time I have, I've either been with FBI or CIA, mm. so it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me to care. I remember taking 160 pounds of ammunition on my Delta flight. <laughs> <laughs> because the FBI, when you graduate from Quantico, it's great. They give you all the free ammunition you can carry in your bag, which is this is expensive. Yeah. Well, maybe and, you should sign up for so, the FBI. Well, it's expensive, right? And yeah. so I was like, yeah. And so I was <laughs> huge double back. <laughs> or they like like rummaging oh, through this. Oh, I mean, I got into secondary, sure, obviously, yeah. but I also was carrying, yeah. you know, on the plane yeah. too, which I can. And yeah. so it was fine, but it was just a fun experience. I'm <laughs> sure. What about, what's the importance of locating your nearest embassy and your nearest hospital? Are there are those things that you do? So things I, I think do on. locating your nearest embassy is always, I guess, a good thing. But the way I see it is that if something happens to you, you're not going to be able to get to your embassy, right? If if something's happened to you that has debilitated you, if sure. that makes any sense. And so that's why I'm all about programming in case of emergency contacts and those kinds of things um, into your phone. That's, that's I think locating embassy is always a good thing in case you get into some kind of a foreign entanglement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but having those contacts is, I think, really important. Yeah, I love is. those tips. Simple. Yeah. Super simple. That's what, that's what we're here for. More simple. The more mm-hmm. simple, the better, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are just so thankful that you I came. Know. So <laughs> The Unexpected Spy, where can people check out this book? Anywhere. Amazon. It just got translated into Japanese two oh, weeks ago. Wow. So yeah, how many languages is it in now? Uh, Portuguese, Romanian, uh, Japanese, and Korean. So four. Wow. I mean, it is such an interesting read. I I haven't finished the whole book yet, but I was was going through it going, I love the personal accounts (laughs) and these stories. Sometimes I did feel like I was like, reading an episode of Homelander or something, you know, like you do feel like that. So everybody, please go check out The Unexpected Spy. If you want to know more about the book, um, Tracy has done some amazing podcasts that you can check out as well. But what do you, what is the last bit of advice or information that you would love to leave with our audience? I think knowledge is power. I think, and don't be scared to gain knowledge and gain information. I think that is the biggest thing. I love, I love it. That. Well, well Tracy, thank you so much, Tracy. Thank yes, you for thank having you your so time. much. Yep, absolutely. And we will see you guys back same time, same place for another episode of Not Your Average Gun Girls. Not Your Average Gun Girl Show and its related companies, Alexa Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC, shares information that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. A reminder that laws vary for each state, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Any items, services, products, and advice mentioned during the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show should be used at your own discretion in accordance with your local and state laws, and you should follow applicable manufacturer's instructions. Not Your Average Gun Girls, Alexa Athletica LLC, and Stami Tactical LLC cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared. 